You're listening to the Painted Goddess Podcast. This is episode number 11. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jennifer. I'm your host of the Painted Goddess podcast and the creator of Painted Goddess, a magical container for healing and divination. I'm a witch and an astrologer, tarot reader, and an herbalist. And I am kind of making my way through this world as a creative person and someone who... um, is lots of things. So just a little bit about me, I guess I haven't really gone to the paces, through the paces, in the paces, what are paces of kind of saying, you know, who I am. And I I recognized that there's a few stories in me around who I've been and who I am and how I carry all of those pieces of me around. Uh, and I came to this topic, the meh, because of, I was just listening to one of my dear friends, Dustin and his podcast, pull it together pod of which I did an interview for, and I'm going to be a guest upon, upon, on. And, um, they finally launched their podcast, him and his partner, Alex, um, they created a, a, a podcast for creatives and pulling it together. It's really lovely to listen to them speak. And I'm, I kind of feel a little bit overjoyed this morning because of it. Uh, so, yeah, give them a listen. Definitely worth um, your time just to, you know, give to yourself. I... This is something that I say all of the time, I think, to myself in my own head and um, often out loud to others is that, you know, you're worth the time you give yourself whatever it is that you need to give. Um, And the meh is one of those things. I think that the meh is like um, something we it's an indulgence. Okay, it's an indulgence for people who also have time to listen to podcasts, perhaps, but the Met is an indulgence of a feeling that there's nothing we can do, right, to change what's going on. There's not a lot of ambition or inspiration going on in the moment. And I think that we, what I wanted to talk about is kind of like embracing your meh, what a healthy meh might look like, and then what, you know, like without self-harm because I have a tendency to embrace my meh with a lot of um, self-harm and just, you know, being real about that, but also, you know, kind of unpacking this was, was my idea for this, this episode. So if you have ever felt the meh, um, uh, then I, I hope that you'll, you'll stay tuned and listen. So 
I wanted to frame this, you know, because of there's so much of my work is focused on uh, creating a container that people feel their full selves in. And last week I did hold space for what I call a healing house. And this is just a pop-up um, retreat, basically. It's a day away in community, in circle, where we are able to embrace ourselves and embrace each other in community um, of women and honor whatever is happening. And then, you know, kind of unpack a little bit of the gifts of our transitions, our suffering, what we're healing right now, what the gifts are of having to heal something like what we're going through. And, and that is really where this came um, into focus for me is that the man might be like a reaction to fear. Now, fear is, of course, a huge hot topic. And um, as my lovely friends at the Pull It Together pod mentioned this morning, you know, fuck fear. And I, you know, we, we, we must kind of, you know, engage with fear in some way, or it will like paralyze us. And many of us learned to deal with fear when we were young. We learned from our parents how to deal with fear, whether they avoided it, whether they shut down, whether they ignored it, whether they neglected to notice that that's what was happening and then lashed out. There's so many ways that we uh, kind of engage with fear consciously or unconsciously. Um, And really, I think one face of fear is the meh. It manifests as this, um, this apathy. It manifests as this, um, this real surrender into the I'm not enough and I can't do anything and what does it matter? Why do I matter? I'm not good enough. There's just this menace <laughs> that comes right after the fear because we've shut down. And you know, we don't want to really feel the fear. We really don't want to understand why fear has come to visit us. And, you know, newsflash, right? We all know this, I think, but it's like fear comes when we're in transition, when we're facing the unknown, when we are trying something new, uh, when we're doing something um, that we know could, could actually level us up into the person we want to be you know, we face this fear and sometimes it feels too big and we play dead, right? Much like uh, you might do if you meet a large animal in the woods, we, 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 we play possum, we roll over and we act as though we're dead so that the fear can't find us or, or moves on, <laughs> right? And so I think it's one way that we avoid feeling um, and, and, really digging into the sources and uh, lies that our fear will tell us. And some of the meh comes from um, believing these fears to be true, right? You know, the fear that we're not good enough to change anything. We're not good enough to stay healthy. We're not good enough to hold our abundance. We're not good enough to receive the wealth that comes when we work really hard to um, create something that's beautiful, um, our lives, right? We, we kind of, 
you know, feel like, oh, well, if I just get up and I push snooze and then I finally get up and I go and do the same things I did yesterday, at least I'm safe. At least I know what's going to happen, um, which is not entirely true, right? We still, we still run into a lot of unknowns along our days um, and are met with opportunities to kind of um, face fear. But if we kind of live in this menace always, it can really, um, it can really just flatline our lives. And uh, a quote comes to mind, you know, the, the, um, that um, you must live before you die, right? Like we, a lot of us really do, um, you know, mitigate, you know, we, it's that whole expect the worst. I remember, I, for whatever reason, it's in my memory bank that Brenda Walsh from 90210 said this, expect the worst and hope for the best. And this kind of play allows you to, you know, prepare for the worst while believing that the best is going to come. And while like this feels very, (laughs) feels very good. Like if we are expecting bad things to happen, then when they do, we'll be ready for it. Right. (laughs) Which is so silly when you really think about the ways that we dole down our, our gratitude, our happiness, um, embracing our abundance, really being proud of who we are and proud of the things we've created. If we play them down, if we don't tell everyone how excited we are about something happening, if something goes awry or something doesn't go as planned, then somehow that's going to brace us from the impact of having something destroy us. And what is what is emerging now is you know this this realization you know being 40 understanding that i have been through a lot and i've i've survived 100% of my days you know that the meh has served by giving me um a way to react or to to at least make comfortable this kind of apathetic feeling so, and what do I do during the meh, right? So, so here we go. The meh is kind of this interwin- inner winter, okay? And we all go through cycles. Um, you know, there's a really great book that regards cycles as part of our womanly gifts. <laughs> um, our hormonal cycles really do give um, us kind of this secular nature of hormones where we have all the winter inner seasons and that's a, um, that's a way to kind of embrace the different pieces of our hormonal system, our fertility cycle. And all humans have a fertility cycle. Men don't necessarily have, um, a time when they bleed, but, um, especially if we're watching the moon, we can kind of relate to a time when we have this inner winter where it's, you know, we're, we're not exerting as much energy as um, maybe we would during inter, inner summer, right? We're, we're conserving some energy. We're digesting our life. We're really taking it slow. And this is the gifts of this meh, this inner winter, that there's this downtime and it provides us with rest. 
And when we take the cues of, you know, oh, I've, I've, I've come up against this, I've come up against this. And instead of pushing through and fighting or flighting, right? Instead, we kind of relax into a state of rest of meh, where we can actually be soft, you know? And so I think knowledge of these cycles provides a little context for how we might um, embrace the meh, embrace this inner winter, these times that always come rather than say, oh my God, is this forever? Because I think that's my tendency is to say, oh my gosh, am I ever going to come out of this? And now um, I know that for some, you know, depression is real and the meh is um, a very large force in their life that there is um, long, long periods of time where the inner winter is taking over and those with seasonal affective disorder, those that have a real hard time with, once they get into that low flow, it takes them a while to get out of that river, right? There's this, there's this river and, um, and not to downplay that at all, but I just wanted to offer, you know, the gifts of knowing the context of every kind of season we have within ourselves as a cycle. And we are going to feel these cycles much more often than the earth does. In fact, I would venture to say that we're more like the moon and that every month we kind of have these periods of inter inner winter and we play with these different kinds of feelings around being fertile and being productive and being um, very solar, right? You know, and our culture would say that we must show up like that all of the time. Our culture says that we need to be the same every day, that we need to push through adversity, we need to lead, we need to, um, you know, uh, <laughs> push through our negative feelings and self-doubt and, and cover them and fake it till we make it. And, and there's a sense that instead what we can do is we can honor the gifts of each of these seasons as a cycle. This inner winter is a cycle that we have. And if you start to track when you feel this way, you might actually be able to really embrace the gifts that comes along with um, the cycle of in inner winter and um, embrace your meh without self-harm. So self-harm might be eating junk food, eating, um, overeating. You might be um, neglecting your health through no exercise, not moving, um, shirking off your uh, commitments to yourself around health. And then, of course, the slew of shitty self-thoughts that happen as you're eating junk food and not moving and not going to work out or not creating the things that you love or not cleaning your house, right? Um, there's so many ways that we then pile on the meh with shitty self thoughts and believe that this is going to be forever that 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 this is like who we are and there's something that's gone wrong and the feeling that something's gone wrong is a really important one i want to stop there and just say you know nothing has gone wrong be because when you really start to look at your emotional cycles you'll notice that this always comes back around and there's a gift in there there's a gift in there. And if we're not noticing how we can gift ourselves this time of rest, this downtime, then, then we might never get to a healthy kind of meh. So what are, what are some tools for 
for healthy meh. And, and by the way, you know, it's just like, it's just like anything you practice these healthy, healthy mechanism, like healthy pieces, practices in your life, you practice them all the time. And then when the meh comes, they're a little easier to get to. Now, I'm not saying that you'll feel all of them. Sometimes you might just really pick one thing and say, I'm going to do this to keep my downtime um, at least nourishing, at least healthy, at least not self-harming, right? So I wrote down a few things. One of them was digesting life. So when we're feeling low when we're feeling like we don't want to exert a lot of energy we don't want to start something new we don't want you know because there are times right when you're just like you just start aching to start something new and these med times are not it you know inner winter can really shut us down because we're we're drawing in you know what happens in winter is the the trees they are not blooming. They are not sending out life into their branches to create leaves. They're not pulling in energy from the sun. What they're doing is they've taken all the energy from that season of, you know, summer and they let those leaves die off so they're no longer taking energy. And then they send all the excess energy down to the roots. They send all that energy to the roots because through winter, it's very hard for a plant to stay alive and it knows it needs to conserve its energy. So it sends that back to the roots. So your root energy might be very different. There might be a lot of triggers there. Okay. For those of us who grow up with addicts, for those of us who grew up with parents who um, did not really uh, nurture our feelings or our emotions, for those of us who did not really live in kind of this, you know, child utopia where we were told we were okay no matter how we were feeling, we might not have a lot of resource around how to care for our little selves inside when we're feeling this inner winter. So the roots, you know, all the energy going to the roots feels very scary and triggering. And so as as you kind of contemplate, I encourage you to kind of contemplate what are these root things? You know, when when you when you cut everything down to bare bones, what are, what's the minimal effective dose of anything you need, right? Is it just taking a shower every day? Is it just, um, taking a walk? Is it just washing your face, right? Sometimes it's just honoring ourselves and saying, I'm going to, um, you know, pack a lunch for myself. I'm going to, um, I'm going to still sit for two minutes in meditation because that's all I can handle for my mind, right? If you're not at any of those practices, it might be, I'm going to go out for a fr- with friends for a night of drinking. You might still be in that phase where, you know, social time at any cost, even if it's, you know, a little bit of uh, recklessness, um, you know, you're trying to shake yourself awake. Now, I, I just want to really encourage you to, to find a nice little list of inner winter activities and think of what you really do in the wintertime. In fact, think of things you might do when the power goes out and, and how that kind of shifts the energy to less output and more input. And we, we tend to we tend to want to fix what's going on, right? And feel better. 
but just feeling the mat can really help to um to nurture it in a way that then the spring will come right when you think about the way that <clears throat> the energy is sent to the roots this is because when spring comes and the sun starts warming up and this and the energy shifts we are ready to push through the soil push through those branches and leaf again you know get get, get life going again and like I said, I would say that our cycle is closer to a moon cycle to a month. You know, the moon cycle is about 29 days. So if you cut that 29 days into quarters and then just kind of look at that, it may not be so cut and dry, but it'd be interesting as an experiment to just kind of look at when you feel, um, when you feel the meh, maybe it's quicker for you. Maybe you actually go, you know, through your seasons every couple of days. Maybe you go through your seasons every couple of months. Um, and maybe it shifts all of the time. But starting to kind of track yourself in a way where then we're not trying to shift too quickly, trying to get out of what we're feeling. Because, you know, as I mentioned, there's this gift that comes within our winter this downtime and providing rest for ourselves, this um, conservation of energy so that when we do produce something, it is, um, it is full of ourselves. It is full of the richness that we really have within us. And so, yeah, digesting life might look like um, just kind of thinking. It might just be um, unpacking thoughts and if you have um, a tendency to do negative thought loops or um, to have really, really shitty self thoughts around why can't I just get up today? Why can't I just push through this and get that everybody else is doing this? Everybody's having these great lives on Instagram. Um, you know, digesting looks a little less like these shitty self talks and a little more like what you might say to a child when she has been bullied at school, right? So don't be the bully to yourself, right? Don't be that person in, in your own life who tells you, see, I told you, you couldn't do it. You're too tired. You can't keep going. This isn't going to work. Notice that when you go into this inner winter, right? The meh, that there's a gift within there. And so you can say, what am I needing right now? What is my, okay, what is my, what is my fear telling me about, about myself? Oftentimes it is simply that we need to rest and we have such an issue with actually resting that we fill it up with, with, with other things. Um, we fill rest with the things we should be doing and we have, you know, kind of half do them because we really don't feel it. And, um, and then we're not really conserving the energy that needs to kind of stay seated within us. So, so kind of embracing it and digesting the life and saying, okay, well, what, you know, you can take a chunk of time, you know, I would say three months is a nice chunk of time and say, what is, what has kind of transpired in the last few months for me? What have I, what have I, what have I accomplished? You know, and if, you know, it's like nothing. I mean, really say, but what if I did accomplish something, even if it's little, um, what is it that I have really done that even if it's when I, you know, thinking that, um, 
I wanted to do this one thing and it's tiny, but I did it. Or, or I finally got, um, that new pair of shoes that I, that I needed because my feet and, you know, I finally was able to talk to a friend that I haven't talked to in a really long time. I finally reached out to somebody, right? Just digest the life of a period of time and kind of mine out those pieces that that's something you accomplished, right? And focus on the things that you did for yourself that were nourishing, you know, little highlights. And then as you do that too, allow the other things and say, well, how did I, in that time frame, how did I also um, grow? How did I grow through through some kind of adversity? Or how did I grow when when faced with a challenge and, 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 and just kind of looking for the little, little pieces. Um, and even if, even if during this inner winter, you can't seem to make it to yoga class, you can't seem to make it on your walk that you've been doing every day, just notice like, Hey, I've been walking every day. I may not be doing that this moment, but I have been doing that thing and give yourself credit for, what you have done, what you have done, even if it's, I've made a commitment and I haven't kept it. Well, that's interesting, you know, and start to look at some of the ways that you've been avoiding yourself or, or been sabotaging. You can digest life by thinking. You can digest life by writing. If you're a writer, if you like to journal, Um, I find that it's really interesting to record myself and speak out loud. It's one of the ways that I kind of prepped myself to begin this podcast. Actually, I would talk to myself um, as if I was talking to another person. So, um, and I have another friend who's a psychotherapist who she writes letters to parts of herself. So writing to yourself, um, writing to that child self, writing to that part of yourself that doesn't believe um, in, in your, in your growth, right? The part of yourself that thinks that you're in this really downward spiral of a cycle, because what you want to do is reframe the ways that this works, because we can all kind of get down on ourselves and feel like we have to shut down, um, because we're not accomplishing the things we want. But when we don't accomplish what we want, we're often in our own way and sometimes just not feeling feels better than feeling all the ways that we have to, um, and it, like I said, I don't want to say that it's about shifting your feelings because in the moment you really do need to feel the depths of, of the shit <laughs> for real. And And, but in a way that it's almost like I said, putting yourself in front of your child self and just holding that self in a little bit of an embrace that kind of gives her space to, to release the pressure of needing to do and be something more than there, than you're being right now. So, you know, just digestion right? And then think of, think of the attention it takes within your body to digest food. You know, you, it's, it's an automatic function of our body, which is amazing. But, but what's really happening on a molecular level is quite incredible. 
And so bringing attention to the parts of ourselves that are feeling really unable to, to get up in the morning and, and saying, you know, okay, we, we can lay here a little while longer. In fact, while we lay here a little while longer, I'm just going to think about, uh, someone who I love so much and the way that they make me feel when we are in connection, the way that, the way that I see myself in, in, in that relationship or, you know, something that makes you feel good. I know there's a ton of terrible things in the world and that like comes up immediately for me. It's like, well, what about all the shitty things in the world? But, (laughs) and that's fine. You can almost say, you know, that these things help us to, to recognize, um, that there is so much work to do in the world and it's not going to happen in any big gesture. It's always the little things. It's always the little ways that our, that our intentions can ripple out into the world. And so, you know, giving yourself a lot of love when you're feeling this inner winter is nourishing. Even if it's making yourself some hot cocoa and sitting by the window and crying and really feeling all of the horrible things that uh, you've experienced and letting them digest through you again, right? And saying, you know, I've been through this and, and it still is with me and I still mourn for my lost, you know, innocence through that time and I still feel fear around other people knowing these things about me and I still have a lot of anxiety around um, being out in the world and being seen and just see yourself give yourself um, the love that you're seeking from an external because we so often seek out outwardly for the things we need to give ourselves and slowly with every inner winter we might be able to just use that time to really rest and maybe we are living through that trauma again maybe we are remembering the ways that we've been hurt Um, and maybe we are remembering that when we were hurt we disengaged and we shut off parts of ourselves that now we are hopefully um, allowing to have some space right because when you're away from that that traumatizing event, that not getting what we need, um, that being attacked, that being shamed, that being abandoned, that being neglected piece of ourselves, we get to be there for ourselves. So, you know, embracing the, the meh without self-harm uh, really allows us to show up for ourselves in a way that during the trauma in the first place, maybe we weren't embraced, um, comforted, Uh, you know, maybe no one showed up for us and we didn't know how to show up for ourselves at that time. So we can learn, we can learn those things. And one of the ways is just a gratitude practice. And sometimes this feels impossible, I know. And, and maybe it feels like, you know, uh, positive washing (laughs) the meh, but but I would say that we can be grateful without shifting out of 
this inner winter and we can say, I have, what do I have? What do I have to be thankful for? What, what am I forgetting in this moment that supports me? And it might just be the air we breathe. It might just be the clean water we have. It might just be um, the money for coffee. <laughs> it might just be um, a friend that never left, that always, that always stayed, even if they couldn't really handle our big emotions. And when, when we're feeling this way, we don't feel like we can reach out, you know. And then those gratitude practices can maybe even um, give an invitation for more little things to come in. You might notice while looking out that window crying that there's birds out there, that there's grass growing, that the trees are growing. Or if it is literally winter and you're having the inner winter, which is even harder, right, to see the growth because it's all underground, remembering the energetic force that pulls through everything. And that is always inviting us to, um, to, to manage our energy in a way that allows us to take the opportunity to grow when, when the sun comes back, right? There's this sense that you can conserve energy and you can kind of shut the world out and be alone with your feelings and not um, be stuck in this place of um, never enoughness that you can say right now, me sitting here, this is enough. And you might take that as a mantra, like this is enough because we have all these shoulds about what we should be doing with our time and how productive we should be and how we should be reframing our negative feelings into positive ones and looking for silver linings. And it's like, no, you know what? Right now, this is enough. It's enough for me to say, um, I've, I've really suffered and I've really, um, held a lot of sadness and trauma and addiction and, um, and, uh, depression and anxiety and, and sadness and, um, despair in my body and just breathing, you know, it's the little things, it's the breath breathing with that and and even some you know if you can give it an imagery you know um a wet rag comes to mind there was this really lovely meditation where you um that I listened to one time and I can't remember who gave it but where you envision yourself as this the insides of a of a baseball which is of course like a really tightly wound string and it's this tightly, tightly wound string that's covered with love. So it's like, you know, just as an exercise in your mind, you take apart this baseball one bit at a time. You undo the stitching. You peel back that first layer. And you start to tease out all of those tightly wound threads. And you just, not with a lot of muscle around it, right? But you just kind of like water right? Water is also so strong over time, right? Of, of unraveling things and carving canyons, just that soft, watery kind of, um, 
way that we might untangle something and tease it out and give everything a little more space. And I think of that um, visualization as very helpful. <clears throat> and, and even just committing to something really small that maybe even seems unrelated so that you can imagine within your body what untangling all these tightly wound attached pieces might feel like as you breathe and untangle and breathe and untangle and breathe and untangle. And maybe you get to a point where you don't necessarily need to untangle it anymore, right? You just kind of lay it down and, and are okay with how it feels. And, you know, the other piece is, you know, maybe a healthy meh tool would be to reach out. And this is, of course, um, different than what I think I do, which is I lash out, you know, and... <laughs> Reaching out versus lashing out. Lashing out will often ostracize you from others and they won't, it's not really an invitation for them to, to sit with you in this time. Now, having somebody witness your sadness is very vulnerable and, um, and can be very scary for both you and the other person. Because I think just as you worry that, or I worry that when I'm in this time, that it's going to last forever, this other person might also have those same triggers and are really uncomfortable around being with you in that and they want to fix you and that becomes this needling thing. So they become like this external version of this inner version of yourself. It's just like, come on, buck up, get a, you know, and I often, you know, I, you know, I will often approach others tough feelings that way, which is something I'm working on, especially with my daughter because she has a lot of huge emotions and I, I am of the mind that we can shift our emotions. We can shift our thinking over time into, you know, a, the, that the baseline be, well, it's okay. It is what it needs to be. And it's okay. And it's not that I don't, um, feel the bad feelings or welcome, you know, every feeling in like, I'm willing to feel any feeling, and sometimes I do think I skirt along the surface in order to not plunge in. And this inner winter, um, you know, really asks us to dig in the dirt, right? To really dig in and find a comfy place to just be with that depth that can feel really isolating. But reaching out to someone else, I guarantee they feel the same way at some point. And being able to give voice to it over time you know, maybe first alone and then sharing those thoughts. So it might look like writing a letter to yourself and then reading that letter to someone else so that they can kind of get a very raw version of what you're going through. I guarantee that's going to open up a place where, where the letting go or the transition begins to naturally happen. Because once you see and sit with and love and embrace this feeling of, of despair, the meh, um, you know, everything shifts. Nothing is forever. Nothing's permanent, even though our worst fears will tell us. Like if we lock into this and we really embrace this feeling, that might last forever. We'll always have it. And to some degree, right, we always have a little meh. Meh is always available to us. 
All our feelings are available to us all of the time. Just like, you know, really, yeah, feeling, feeling great and happy is totally available to you all of the time. There's just, <laughs> there's just times when we don't want it in the house because it feels abrasive, right? It feels like too much. And that might be a product of us having, uh, I think it's a product of, of us being human and really having these inner cycles that we don't recognize are constantly kind of pulling us forward. So, you know, letting go of this time can also feel like we want to rush through, right? We want to rush through and get to the other side of it. Um, the saying, you know, if you're going through hell, keep going comes to mind, you know, and, and you know, we really do have this sense that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to get out of this. And at the same time, we're betting against that by saying, you know, this is never going to really end. By sitting into, by sitting in this space of, 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 of deep sadness that lives within us, you know, it's a very human part of us. There's so much that we've lost, right? There's so much that we cannot fix. There's so many ways that we don't have control over everything that happens in our lives. And so this brings a great feeling of overwhelming sadness that there's so many people in this world who don't understand us, who don't see us, who don't expect um, that we're, we're coming with our, with our brightest intentions. And then there's the times when we really don't come with our best intentions. We really are trying to, you know, and this comes from this lashing out, you know, oftentimes we will lash out in this time when we're hurting. We'll lash out so that others feel our pain. And um, and that can really hurt relationships and, and make us feel even more alone. Um, but it actually can also teach us, um, where our boiling point is. And so noticing when you feel that tendency towards lashing out to people who don't, uh, who don't deserve it. I mean, no one deserves that wrath, right? Especially us. So even when you're lashing out at yourself, notice, like, what am I not honoring right now? Should I have had a day of rest and I pushed through it? And sometimes, you know, a, a retreat into inner winter um, can be a gift you give to yourself before, before you get shoved into that space. And sometimes we can actually notice our cycles and say, oh, it's time to schedule in um, a down day. It's time to say no to commitments that day. It's time to allow myself to um, make spontaneous decisions. And if that decision is taking a drive or sitting in bed all day um, and ordering takeout, you know, whatever that thing is. Although I would definitely um, say that when we schedule these times for ourselves, we have the benefit of of kind of the the prefrontal cortex of our mind that, that, that really, um, is an evolved place of decision-making. We're able to hopefully make more caring decisions for ourselves ahead of time for that rest. So we might say, I'm going to make sure that, that, you know, um, somebody knows that I'm going to be down that day and maybe, 
if it feels safe to invite someone who is also in that place or to, you know, just think of someone that you might spend that time with that really recharges you rather than retracts from you. Um, there's so many ways to ahead of time kind of see this once you can see that you're cycling. You know, we are cyclical beings. I don't think there's a way that I can, um, I, like, I, I challenge someone to disprove this. I mean, we really are cyclical beings. We're not the same every day. And while we might not be able to really track our cycles and we might think it's completely random, um, we can know that our specific brand of cycle can can be tracked, you know, so it might not be very obvious to others. But if we know that when we have something big coming up, like three days before that, we just shut down and cannot even adult that day. Um, just saying, well, bef- two days before a big thing where I'm speaking or I'm holding an event or I am uh, recording a podcast or I'm having a big meeting at work or I'm going to an interview, I actually just need to spend a lot of time breathing and uh, writing and being alone with my thoughts. I don't want a lot of people around to agitate me. It's too much. You know, I don't want anyone else to take care of. Now, I know there's a lot of us that don't have that luxury, that don't have the luxury of pulling back. And so, you know, how can you set yourself up more and more to give yourself the gift of that time where you aren't um, having to go full out every day caring for others? And, you know, by the way, if you have young children, um, you know, this is a, a huge time when when this can hit you in waves and just keep coming and you don't really have the option of stepping away from their care. And so what does it look like to be on care light, right? Like you might some days just not dress them in that cute outfit and not brush their hair and not bathe them and not, and guess what? The children will live. <laughs> My kids are uh, divine examples of, of this. You know, they live, they adapt, they love you and themselves by noticing that some days we just don't try that hard. Um, and, um, I don't know, maybe that's not healthy, I guess, (laughs) but I think that it is. I think that, I think that deciding ahead of time on anything is going to help, um, to affirm that, you know, these times are needed and, and, and that we can nourish ourselves through them, even if it looks, different than what it looks like to nourish ourselves through an inner spring or summer or fall even. So then transitioning out of the inner winter is a gentler kind of transition than most. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of self-love. It takes a lot of patience and compassion, just like any transition But I wanted to bring in, I saw a snail this morning kind of crawling along and it reminded me of this inner winter time where, you know, snails, they don't seem to move while you're watching them. They don't move very fast at all. 
But if you leave them alone for an afternoon, you come back and they're gone without a trace. Well, they have a trace. <laughs> but, but you, you know, there's this sense that this is slow and easygoing and it still gets somewhere, right? It still moves into another space. And it's kind of, snails are kind of the power animal for inner winter, you know, allow it to be slow, allow it to be deliberate and conscious. Okay, so here's some magic for the meh. One of the things that I like to do is um, when I'm feeling so much and kind of can't dissect it out, can't parse it out, is I'll use tarot. So um, tarot is a deck of cards that um, can be used for divination and, and can also be used as a spiritual practice. I definitely use it more for spiritual practice than divination for my own self. And I use it as my own personal coach. It's kind of like the tarot cards can call you out on stuff. So you might, you might do what I call a tarot spread for the shadows. So you can do a past, present, future, and just think of it as the shadows. So how have I how have I lived in the shadows in the past? How am I living in the shadows right now? And how will I live in the shadows in the future? And pull one card for each of those things. Um, it doesn't have to be past, present, future. It could be mind, heart, um, relationships. It could be, and, and then having the over the umbrella be shadow, right? So what are the shadows of my heart? What are the shadows of my mind? What are the shadows of my relationships? What is my inner child? The shadows of my inner child, the shadows of my inner 20s at this point, and the shadow of my inner crone, which I'm reaching towards. And that's kind of a past, present, future, but it's a little shift of that. So this tarot spread for the shadows can mean anything. Keep it simple, right? not too much energy exerted. And I love inner winter uh, downtime tarot spreads because, you know, sometimes we get in the way of our intuition by overthinking. And oftentimes during inner winter, there's this languish energy that allows us to really just lay it out. And we can feel into some of those feelings, the archetypes, the images, just absorb, absorb the images and let them speak to you. Let those images speak to you in a way that soothes your soul or gives you a, or gives you a good talking to, you know, sometimes, um, it's interesting to see who comes up. You might be able to name that aggressiveness. It might be in the voice of your mother or father. It might be in the voice of a teacher that you had that was particularly tough on you. It might come in um, your own voice, but it's your like, you know, your judger, your your shame monger, um, your inner asshole, right? <laughs> it could be in this voice that that you get when you're lashing out to others, and it's reading tarot to you. And throughout this time, you know, allow it allow it to kind of pass through you, and breathe. And be be with your shadow. Notice notice that your shadow needs space. Notice that your shadow self is is always with you, and 
um, she is, she is, she is the one who sees all the things that could possibly happen that can destroy you. And she'll pop up either really often or now and again to just remind you how fragile everything is. And that's no reason to fear necessarily, although that's what first comes up is fear. It's just something that we all kind of deal with. And, um, and sometimes reaching out to our intuitive selves through tarot can help us to unpack and see the ways that we either sabotage or dull down our happiness in order to not be so destroyed when something kind of shifts out of our lives. And, and all the things that we hold as a gift also might come forward in that. So, you know, writing that list of gratitude, even if it's my breath, my toes, <laughs> the fact that I can afford a pen to scribble on paper, the, the water that we drink, again, all of the little things that, um, that we can remember, you know, allow us to let a little light in, um, into the shadow slowly, but surely. And you might take your shadow self for a walk, you know, or she might take you for a walk for that matter. You know, you might say shadow self, show me, show me how you see my life. I want to know how you see my life. And she might take you through, you know, the walk, you know, through alleyways and, and moldy buildings and, um, you know, rooms full of people who are suffering without their limbs and crying out in pain. And, um, this is just kind of coming through me, which is interesting, but taking a walk with that shadow self and then giving her a hug and saying, I see how you see everything now. And I'm, you know, I get it. I get why you have to scream and be heard sometimes. And then maybe she'd be willing to come with you into the light and you can show her the smile on your daughter's face or the sunrise that happens in the springtime or the sprouting uh, bulbs in your garden or, um, you know, all the tiny things that, um, that create light in your life. You might be able to walk her through that and she might hate it. <laughs> she might be like, this is not what reality is. But just notice that there are two parts of you at least, uh, definitely more, that insist upon their reality and that it's part of the truth but not the whole truth. So all these things hold a gift and the shadow side of our lives holds gifts for us, the way that we see and are cynical or um, uh, how we really do, you know, need to, uh, to go into the depths of winter and live there for a moment or a long time. And what gifts do we pull from that? You know, sometimes those gifts are for others. Sometimes those gifts are for us first, of, of course, and then we can actually help lead each other to more light. So, yeah, the meh. I wanted to just kind of get this all down and riff on that. I don't know if 
if it's helpful, these tools, um, you know, I know that I don't suffer from debilitating depression because very often these tools work for me. They, they will lift me at least enough to honor myself. Um, and sometimes I still self-harm through my inner winter by eating and shirking my commitments to health and having shitty self-thoughts, thinking I'm not enough. But I would say that as I've gotten older and I've practiced more, um, these times of inner winter feel more nourishing than they do like a shit storm of, you know, sitting in a pit, right? As I've gotten older, these times feel necessary in a nourishing way. And I can decide them on purpose ahead of time with some consciousness of this is a natural thing to need. And I'd rather listen to my shadow whisper than hear it scream. And my shadow needs my attention. My shadow needs me to sit with it and feel sad for all the things that we will never experience or that the children who are neglected will never feel the love, you know, from the people who matter most in their life and what that does to them. And there's, you know, there's so much to be sad for in this world. And, um, I have to recognize that my shadow is kind of keeping tabs of those things because it makes my life have the context of healer being there's, there's such a need and when I, when I commune with other healers, like I did at the healing house, you know, what ended up happening was all these people on, on different spectrums of their own healing journey, but healing others, that is their primary focus and their work for the most part. And they really do, you know, this is, this is all of us healing ourselves while reaching out to others and seeking to help them find tools for healing. And, um, I think that it's a really beautiful thing in humanity where we've evolved enough to understand that we can hold both things at the same time, that we can hold our shadow and we can hold our light and we can honor the parts of ourselves that are, are fearful and scared and and believing that nothing good is possible and alongside the the cheerful kind of um positivity that is sold and branded in spiritual practices all across the country and world and that something deep is there right and i think buddha nature is a good way to describe it that there's you know, we must, we must embrace all pieces of our inner seasons and notice the gifts that they give us so that we can actually, um, process these traumas as they come. And sometimes the intensity of what we've experienced is so much that we spend quite a few winters, um, unpacking and loving ourselves whole and, it's um it's a worthwhile process because we are worth we are worth um 
the healed shadow, which is still a shadow. Healed shadow is not light. Healed shadow is a depth of darkness that glistens in a way that mm, it's the dark stories of all of Grimm's fairy tales, right? It's all the ways that we see very clearly instead of this clouded kind of fuzziness because when we're clear with our shadow there's no confusion over how to serve ourselves or or humanity there's much more clarity around the shadows that are you know we cannot fix cannot fix our shadow it is literally part of the life that we live so i hope that this has been an interesting thought i hope that you've thank you for listening it's such a pleasure every week to spend time with you and i really appreciate you listening and being here if you've enjoyed this podcast or benefited from it please share it with your friends if you'd like to know more or work with me you can go to paintagoddess.com and find all of my free resources as well as how to book a reading with me. I work together astrology and tarot, which has been a really illuminating process for my customers and clients and friends. And I would love to do a reading for you and see where we're at today. I also have a eight-week series tarot course coming up starting June 10th. I'm so excited to do this course. The students who have come in already are powerful and amazing, and I can't wait to discover all of the archetypes with them in community. We're doing an eight-week video course with live Q&As during the week, and there will be a lot of love and abundance in a community we're building online to support each other and read for each other as you become a unique-voiced reader for the tarot. If you're local to me, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I host monthly new moon circles with the Wild Woman Project, as well as do one-off events and series called The Healing House, where I invite you to take a day away in the middle of the week and come and be in community and circle away from everything and everyone who calls you ma'am, mama, or babe. (laughs) I hope that you'll uh, decide that one of these things might delight you. But if not, that's cool too. I'll see you next week.